0: I'm not sure if you've heard of uh, comments like this. Huh? Like, I used to be a banker, but I lost interest. Okay. Second one. I used to be a doctor, but then I lost patience. Okay, slowly, you're getting, it, you're getting it? I used to be a teacher, but they say I got no class. And I used to be a tailor, but I found the work to be so-so. You're not very responsive this morning. (laughs) So I got a challenge for you, okay? Fill in the blanks. I used to be a pastor, but... Okay, this one you can discuss in your cell group. (laughs) But beloved, you would have heard this other comment, like we are human beings, we are not human doings. And so we don't like to do, especially when you're told what to do, we just be. And today we are rounding up our last sermon on uh, our series on 2 Peter. And four times in the letter of 2 Peter, he addressed his flock as beloved. And, that he, and then he added a a B behind it. What do I mean? Four times he said, beloved, be mindful, chapter 1 uh, chapter 3 verse 1 and then he said beloved be not ignorant chapter 3 verse 8 and then he said beloved be diligent and this is twice in chapter 1 verse 10 uh, or three times chapter 1 verse 10 verse 15 and chapter 3 verse 14 and then fourthly he said beloved be aware or he said be on your guard in another translation chapter 3 verse 17. And I want to relate these four points to Peter's life and Peter's journey as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Beloved. It's a term that is used a lot in the epistles. Uh, uh, Paul used it a lot, Peter used it a lot, and John also used it a lot. And this word is uh, from the Greek word agape. We all know about agape. It's a God's kind of love, sacrificial love. So, beloved is agape, a beloved. And the first use of this word was, uh, is found in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, when Jesus was baptised, He rose from the water, and then there was a voice from heaven, and said, Behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And God repeated this declaration in the Transfiguration. Remember on the mountain of Transfiguration, when when the Lord Jesus was with Peter, James and John, there was another declaration, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. And it must have made such an impact on Peter, that he recorded it again in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. This is God's God declaring his love for his beloved son, Jesus, the beloved of God. But the word beloved is also mentioned here in Romans chapter 1, verse 7. To all who are in Rome, this is Paul writing to the believers in Rome, beloved of God. Called to be saints. And then grace and peace to you from our Father. Beloved of God. That's you and I. We too are the beloved of God, called to be saints. You be, live in Jesus, and you have the right to be called children of God, to be saints. But you know, this, to me, this delineation of human being and human doing and being and doing is not very helpful. Um, to emphasize the be over the do, I believe is an overreaction to what some people call uh, uh, the performance trap. And that is, you must perform. You must earn God's love by performing, by doing something for Him. And that if you do not perform, He will not love you. And so we swing to the other extreme, that it is not your activity for Jesus, it is your adoration for for Jesus that matters. It's, It's not totally incorrect, but it's quite incomplete because... Our adoration for Jesus must result in our activity for Jesus. And as dearly beloved of God, we do not do to try to earn His love, but we do to show our love for Him. And this doing is entirely correct, entirely complete. It actually completes our being to do for God. So beloved, let's hit the first B. Beloved, be mindful. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 says, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Saviour. You know the word mindful, or mindfulness, has a very different meaning these days. It's often referred to in meditation. That is, you forget. You empty your mind, you forget the past, you forget everything, but you are just aware of the present moment, like concentrating on your breathing. Just, just focus on your breathing. That's, that's a, the modern uh, uh, day um, understanding of, of being mindful or mindfulness. But in Second Peter, being mindful is not this at all. It is about remembering. Mindful of what? Remembering what? Mindful of the words of the prophets. Basically, the Old Testament. Mindful of the apostles' words. Basically, the New Testament. The Gospels, the Epistles, the apostles' word. Being mindful of God's word. That we read the Bible often. Daily. And, and for me, I, I use the electronic version. It's, it's fantastic. The, the, the U version, I set it up so that every day there's a passage for me to read, and if I miss two or three days, it reminds me. If I do very well consistently, it praises me. So, how can it be better than that, right? If we think about Peter, what words do you think he would be most mindful of? I think it, it might be this. In Luke chapter 22, verse 32, Jesus says, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. This is when Peter had had denied Christ. And Christ came to restore him and says, when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And then in John chapter 21, from a different angle, Jesus told Peter, you feed my lambs. You tend my sheep. Ten means to, to shepherd my sheep to rule over them, to feed them to, to tend them, you feed my sheep three times, and I believe this is the purpose of first Peter and second peter he 's very mindful that Christ gave him this commission, and you can almost feel peter 's passion in his, in his epistles in his letters to to fulfill these words that Jesus had given to him. He was so mindful of it, so the first b would be, Beloved, be mindful of the Word. Secondly, Beloved, be not ignorant. Chapter 3, verse 8. But Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Be not ignorant of God's ways and His divine arithmetic. One day as a thousand. Not seven, but seventy times seven. You remember when Peter was talking with Jesus and and he said uh, in in almost a a self-congratulatory way, (gasps) how often shall I forgive? He says, as many as seven times. And you can feel that Peter was almost expecting Jesus to praise him. Wow, you're so good. You want to forgive seven times? But Jesus says, no, not seven. Seventy times seven. And this is his divine way, his divine arithmetic, if you like, that is higher than ours. You remember when Jesus said that he was going to suffer and he was going to die, and Peter rebuked him, scolded him to his face, And then it attracted the fiercest retort from Jesus, I believe, ever recorded in Scripture. And it says here in Matthew chapter 16, verse 23, But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan! You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man." Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? One as a thousand, a thousand as one. Not seven, but seventy times seven. To lose it is to find it. The last shall be the first." So, beloved, be not ignorant of His ways. His ways are higher than our ways. And have faith in His his ways. Trust in His divine arithmetic. Thirdly, beloved, be diligent. What is diligent? I found it. Tony Tan says, I did my best as president. And if you look at the the word diligent, which in Greek is spudazo, and in English translated um, differently, some say do your best, make every effort, be eager to do, endeavor, strive, labor. Three times in 2 Peter, he tells us to be diligent. Well, the first time was in chapter 1, actually. Be diligent to be diligent. Fruitful, Second Peter chapter one verse ten. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. And then he lists uh, uh, he has a list of, I believe, seven qualities. And I think a more complete list is found in Galatians chapter five verse twenty two and twenty three because it's so close. We're talking about the fruit of the spirit. Be loving. Be joyful, be peaceful, be patient, be kind, be good, be faithful, be gentle be self controlled. If you practice these qualities, you will never fail. So how do we practice these nine qualities? We do we do nine projects, and um you gotta figure out yourself how you want to be more loving joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, self-control. And perhaps we can discuss this again in our cell groups. I believe when we had the first sermon on Second Peter, there was a, a question there that talked about this. And I think we can look at this again. What do we do to be? What do we do to be kinder? And then we set up some kind of a project for ourselves, right? I've always said that if some tissue paper seller come in the hawker center, I want to sell you a tissue, three packets for $1. You want to be kind to such a person, even though he may be cheating you, may be more expensive than you were, you were to buy in the supermarket, you want to be kind, you always give, right? So my project is when this tissue paper seller come to me, I always give because it's just $1 and it will help him. So that's a project to do. How do I be more self-controlled? What do I do to be more self-controlled? If I say I want to avoid pornography, what do I do? Then you can set up some kind of a, a project for yourself, right? You will never uh, connect to the internet if you're alone or, or, or whatever. Some kind right, of a, a do project. So that's the first uh, diligence. The second one is be diligent not to be forgetful. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 15, And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. What are these things? I think you can refer them yet again to the ninefold fruit of the Spirit, the development of the Christian character, that you will always remember, not be forgetful about these things. And thirdly, be diligent to be peaceful. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish, and at peace. First, without spot or blemish. And that is just to be like the Lamb of God, because Peter himself said in 1 uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 17, that, that we were ransomed from, uh, 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 by Christ, with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So, Scripture interprets Scripture. To be without spot or blemish is just to be Christ-like. And we read here, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 14, Since you are waiting for these, what is this? Since you are waiting for the day of the Lord, be diligent, make every effort, do your best to be without spot or blemish. Be diligent, make every effort, do your best not to be defiled, not to be dirty with a spot, with a blemish. Not to be defiled, how? In thought, in word and in deed. If you think about Peter, what kind of a, a defilement of thought might he have had? I think Peter was, was kind of full of himself and thought that he was very courageous, right? When, uh, when Jesus, Jesus says, I will be tortured and then I will die, and Peter said to him, Matthew chapter 26, verse 35, even if I die with you, I will not deny you. He was full of himself. And all the disciples said the same thing. In thought. In word, of course, we, we, we heard already, he rebuked Jesus. He said, God forbid. Never. Never. How can a saviour die? Jesus, you are stupid. How can a saviour die? That's not the way. So in word, he rebuked Jesus. And indeed, Okay, one of his classic deeds was the cut of the year of Malchus, the the uh, a servant. What does it mean then to be at peace? To be found by him at peace. Second Peter chapter three, verse fourteen. To be diligent to be found by him without spot and blemish and at peace. I think if you are at peace means you are afraid for nothing. You're not afraid of the second coming. You're not afraid of the day of the Lord. You are ready to meet your Maker. And you are, and I think one of the best ways to, to live life is to be, to be caught. So you know, when He returns, when Jesus returns and He catches you praying, watching and praying, so you are diligent, you make every effort, you have done your best to do His will. So, beloved, be mindful of His Word. Beloved, be not ignorant of His ways. Beloved, be diligent to do His will, to be fruitful, to be not forgetful, and to be peaceful. And fourthly, beloved, beware. Be on your guard. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 17 says, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. And Peter knows all about steadfastness. In another translation in the ESV, it says stability. And the Greek word that is used here is only used here, but it has the same root as strengthen your brothers. You know, To be stable has the same root word as, and when you have turned, Peter, strengthen. Your brothers, remember Luke chapter 22, uh, verse 32, and it says, Do not be led away by the error of the wicked. You know, sometimes it's difficult for us uh, to think about wicked people. Maybe many of us don't know of so many wicked people uh, in, in our circle of friends. But I think it's helpful to think about the wicked, not so much as wicked human beings, but a crafty, wicked Satan to think about spiritual warfare. And here, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 17 says, do not lose stability. Don't let yourself be tripped up spiritually and, and then you fall. Don't be tossed to and fro by every kind of wind of, of doctrine. Beware of the wicked one. Be on your guard against the wicked with a capital W. Make sure that you are ready each day, each moment for His coming. And you know, every time you, you hear of an Earthquake and volcanoes uh, erupting and hurricanes and pestilence—it ought to give us pause. It forces us to beware, to be on our guard for the day of reckoning, for the day of the Lord. And I, and I hope that all of us beware or are on our guard for this. So, this is it—a lot of bees, busy sermon. Be mindful of the word, be not ignorant of his ways, be diligent to, to do his will, and to beware of the wicked. Don't you think Peter is asking a lot from his flock by writing these two letters, 1 Peter and 2 Peter? And by us reading it, don't you think he's asking a lot from us to be, 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 be all these things? How can I be all these things? I'm not a super-Christian like Peter, or Paul, or Benny, or Edwin. What do you think about when you think of Peter, the apostle? I think of my classmate, you know. We've been friends uh, since Sag 1, 13 years old, but suddenly, halfway through university, about seven years later, he wanted to be called Rocky. Rocky. And and then he said it's a name that his auntie gave him, but he had never used until then. Seven years later, I've only known him as somebody else, but then we all now... Laugh at him, hey, Rocky, Rocky. Because in those days, uh, in the late, no, early 80s, uh, it was just about that time when Sylvester Stallone did his movie, Rocky One, Rocky Two. But this Rocky who had a name changed, turned out to be a two-star general, outranking me many, many times over. Did you know that we have a Rocky in PPH2? Okay, I'll leave you another project. Huh? The Aramaic name for, for rock, it's uh, Cephas, C-E-P-H-A-S, and we do have one in PPH. Go find out who he is. What do you think about when you when you consider the life of, of Peter? I find Peter very relatable. Because he is so flawed, I found him more relatable than, than the very chim, uh, the deep uh, and, and near-perfect Paul. Right? Paul, I find kind of like, wow. Too perfect. I find Peter more relatable than, than John. John, the apostle of love. I'm nowhere near like him. And John, who had friends in high places. You know that it was John who brought Peter into the inner court of the high priest when Jesus was arrested? Because the Bible says John was known to the high priest. He knew the high priest. And Peter, Peter was just an abing, right? Peter was this low-class Galilean. And it was his Galilean accent that betrayed his position as, um, as, a, as a disciple of, of Jesus. Because that, you remember the servant girl say, oh, you are a Galilean. Peter was the only one whose name Jesus changed. From Simon to Peter. Cephas, the rock. Peter was the one who got full marks for his correct final answer to Jesus' question, who do people say that I am? And Peter, final answer, you are the Christ, son of the living God. And knowing Peter, I think he would probably be patting himself on the back, hey, 100%. And then Jesus added quickly, on this cephas, on this rock, this confession that you just made, that flesh and blood did not reveal to you, but the Father in heaven, I will build my church. That was Peter. So let's take a little look at Peter's discipleship journey. All four gospel writers narrate his three-time denial of Christ. Very low You know, very embarrassing. To be recorded for eternity by all my my friends, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John recorded that I denied Christ three times. And Paul points out his hypocrisy in the book of Galatians. One day, Peter was friendly and eating with the Gentiles and the next day he avoided them because they might spoil his reputation recorded in Scripture. Peter was also the person who asked the most questions. You can, you can just search the word Peter and look at the whole Gospels. It's always Peter talking. He asked questions and like, like he would just go direct to Jesus and says, explain the parable to us because I don't understand. The rest didn't ask. And he had the most dialogue with Jesus. To and fro with Jesus. And he's the one I believe who, who called Jesus Xiao. You know why? In that story when, when there was a crowd around Jesus and a, a woman who had a discharge of blood touched Jesus' cloak, right? And then Jesus turned around and said, Who touched me? And who, who was the guy who, who replied Jesus? He said, The crowd all around you, and you can ask somebody to touch you, you Xiao or what? Okay, it's not in scripture, but I think the mood is there, you know. <laughs> and it was Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration. And who says the Bible is not humorous? And Jesus, uh, Peter says, let's build uh, three shelters for Jesus, for Moses, for Elijah. And the Bible records that they didn't know what they say, and yet the Bible records what Peter said. Right? You don't know what to say, not say I want to say, but I still want to say, he said something which was quite meaningless. And then, yeah, and um, okay, there's, there's one more about his dialogue with Jesus. When when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet, everybody was kind of like silent, right? But Peter said, no. And then when Jesus explains it, okay, everywhere, right? Wash my head, wash my hands, wash my feet. Uh, so that's that's Peter. Peter was the only one who rebuked Jesus and then he cannot in return, right? The harshest reaction, I believe. Get thee behind me, Satan. You don't know what you're talking about. And John records, sometimes I really feel like John and Peter got something going on. John is the only one who records, uh, 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 not the only one, but John did record Peter cutting off the servant's uh, ear when they came to arrest Jesus. John, you you think that you think that Peter might be the competitive type? You think so? Well, I think so. If you do, then John records outrunning Peter to the tomb. That Peter started running first, but John got to the tomb first. Right? And then I think when Peter read this, uh, is it buisong, uh, I think he must have felt like, <laughs> how can John outrun me? song means unhappy, uh, I think. Something like that. So you think about Peter, he's impetuous, he's offish, he's a coward, he was a hypocrite, he's unstable, he like, more saliva than tea is a Chinese expression, that he talk a lot and he can say something even when he don't know what to say. Donald Trump would have summed Peter up in a word, loser, loser. And Kim Jong-un, from North Korea, would have called him a dotard. Okay, fancy learning an English word from a North Korean person, right? From a North Korean rocket man. John may have called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. And in spite of all his failings, Peter, I believe, knew that he too was beloved of God. Actually, I think because of all his failings, Peter knows that he is Beloved of God. And that's why he addressed his flock, Beloved, Beloved, Beloved. So dearly beloved, as I was preparing this, I came across this, this, this play. It's called A Raising in the Sun. I think there should be an apostrophe after Raising. Um, a very interesting award-winning play that's like in the 50s about a black family in Chicago. The father in the family dies already quite poor, but he had an insurance policy, and he was left a small insurance payout. And uh, after discussing how to to bring themselves out of poverty, uh, the money was given to a son, and the son lost that money in some investment and got cheated by a friend. And then the sister just tore the son apart, calling him all kinds of names, and you're like you. You're the black sheep of the family, you lost all our money and when she has finished her tirade the mother then speaks and I hope that the video sound is clear enough now the mother speaks talking to the daughter who scolded the brother for losing all the money me and your daddy
1: but I thought I taught you something else too I thought I taught you to love him love him there's nothing left to love There's always something left to love. Have you cried for that boy today? Now, I don't mean for yourself and for the family because we lost the money. I mean for him and what he's gone through. And God help him. God help him what it's done to him. Child, when do you think is the time to love somebody the most? When he's done good and made things easy for everybody. no 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 that ain't the time at all it's when he's at his lowest and he can't believe in his because the world's done whipped him so when you starts measuring somebody measure him right child measure him right you make sure that you done taken into account the hills and the valleys he's come through to get to wherever he is.
0: Peter reached reached his lowest when he denied Christ. You remember the verse when Jesus turned and looked at him? And then he went away and wept bitterly. He gave up. He went back fishing. Perhaps he was measuring himself and found that he was indeed a loser. But he measured wrong. Like this play says, you know. There is always something left to love. And when you think it's a, it's a time to love somebody the most, it's when he is at his lowest. And can't believe him in, in himself because the world has has whipped him so. And when you start measuring somebody, measure him right. Measure him right. And I believe Peter measured himself wrongly. He was not a loser. He was beloved of God. I think of my own journey, all the foul names I have ever called God and Jesus before I became a Christian. I think of all the Christians I have ridiculed and taunted in the foulness of Hawkeian expletives. And even after becoming a Christian, I think of all the things that I do out of pride, out of gaining the applause of men, out of hypocrisy and all that I failed to do or was afraid to do. And then to know that I am still beloved of God, that His grace overcomes. And that is enough to make me mindful of His Word, not ignorant of His ways. That is enough because I am His beloved to make me be on my guard, diligent, to be fruitful, not forgetful, peaceful. Today is a a very messy sermon, right? There are four points and three sub-points and and all that. But let's just go back to that summary slide that we've had for five weeks now. It's all about knowing your salvation, knowing your Scriptures, the pricelessness of our salvation because it was paid for with the precious lifeblood of the Lamb of God without spot or blemish of Jesus Christ. It's all about the preciousness of the Scriptures that you have on your phone and in a book which we must be diligent to read, to study, to obey and to teach others to obey. That's a summary for Second Peter. And now let us invite our beloved worship team to help us with the closing song. And perhaps we ought to be using this word beloved more. Beloved Patrick Yong, uh, beloved Chick Yong, and beloved so and so. So later on, when you go for coffee, address one another as beloved. come um, we've been sitting for a while let's stand as we sing this closing song together and let it be an expression of our being that must be translated into our doing especially as we look at the fruit of the Spirit, ask Him for divine power to touch our hearts, to be more loving, to be more joyful, to be peaceful, to be faithful to be patient to be kind to be good to be gentle to be self-controlled the development of the Christian character and it doesn't matter past regrets things in the past failings in the past all the more the Lord turns And look at you, not with eyes of condemnation, but with eyes of grace. And then He gives us, like He gives Peter, a mission. When you have turned, strengthen your brothers. Help someone else. And this too would be our mission. Asking God to sanctify us that we might be a blessing to someone else. So let's come before the Lord in prayer. Ask Him to do a work that only God can do. The transformation from inside. So that we can do something on the outside. And it's not the other way around. We can set up all kinds of rules but You will never change us until we turn to our Creator God who created us body, soul and spirit and Lord I pray that you will touch my life, touch my heart enable to, me to change from within to develop that Christ-like character of love, joy peace, patience, kindness goodness faithfulness, gentleness self-control and that it will change so much that it will change me outwardly too to be a blessing to friends to humanity so God we offer you our lives use it for, a gr- for your glory our heart our hands our being and our doing are lifted to you come now and touch us. Your very presence, your goodness, your kindness, fill us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.